Hello, you're listening to Ignite from Glasgow Science Centre. My name is Patrick. In this podcast, we aim to learn more about the people behind science and what it takes to become a scientist. Today's guest is Dr Cecilia Medupin, Senior Lecturer of Earth and Environmental Sciences at the University of Manchester. If you know other people that are keen to get into science, but don't quite know where to start, share this podcast with them and spread the word. If you have any questions or thoughts on the series, you can chat to us on Twitter at GSC1 and find out what's going on at the Science Centre on our website. Cecilia, it is lovely to see you. Thank you so much for coming on the Ignite podcast. I've been looking forward to this one. It's my pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) So we've got a little tradition about how we start this podcast, and it's rapid-fire questions. I'll just crack into the first one, which is... TV shows or films? <laughs> Which do you prefer? Uh, films. Would you rather be one minute late or an hour early? Uh, I think it depends. I It depends on the situation. I think I'd rather be on time. <laughs> do you prefer travelling on trains or travelling on buses? Wow. To say the truth, I like both. Cecilia, if you had a time machine, yes. but you only had one return journey, yes. would you travel to the past or would you travel to the future? Oh, fantastic. I'll travel to the future. <laughs> <laughs> that was your most confident answer yet. <laughs> Where would you go in the future? Oh, well, you know, the future is always more beautiful than the past <laughs> because I have learned about the past. So the future is that idealistic place. Everything is perfect. Everything is wonderful. You have learned from previous experiences and processes. So you create that perfect future. <laughs> well, we are recording this in 2023. If anyone from 3023 is listening. <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer roller coasters or water slides? Ah, it depends. Probably something you've never thought about. No, I haven't. But I, it depends on how I feel at that time. Do you prefer writing with pencil or typing? Pencil. If you had to pick one Olympic sport to train for, so cycling, running, sailing, anything in the Olympics, what sport would you train for? Ah, running. <laughs> yeah, running. running. Oh, yes. <laughs> what sort of distance? Are you a sprinter or long distance? Um, long distance. Long nice. distance. Mm. Would you rather work at the office or work from home? <laughs> I think it's good to work from the office. <laughs> you meet with people. You take, you dress up, you go out, you meet with people and you wish them good morning. <laughs> and finally, would you rather be able to speak every language or be able to speak with animals? Wow. Well, to speak with animals, you know, they don't have a, do they have a sense of reason compared to human beings? I would, I may not be able I may not be able to understand languages but I think I'll be able to understand understanding the culture of people might be interesting. Something else that we ask all of our guests to do Cecilia. I'd like you to try and sum up your work or sum up your career using only three words. <laughs> In summary. Okay. Um passion values and um, knowledge transfer. I'm sure I'll come to find out more about those keywords throughout this podcast. I'm looking forward to seeing how they fit in. But I'd like to I'd like to talk about you, Cecilia, and how and how you became a scientist and how you how you ended up in the the scientific careers. So I wondered if you could take us back to your early life and tell us when you first became aware of science as a concept or, or science as a thing. Maybe I will say it's by accident. I'm a Nigerian. And I went to school, secondary school in Nigeria. So what happened basically is 
when you finish your junior secondary school and you're entering into the senior secondary school, where at that age you're about maybe 13, 14, like that, 14, 15. So you you do a set of exams. Um, by the time you pass, based on your results, you are classified either into the science class or the social science class or the arts class. So I found myself in the science class. So usually in the sciences, at that time, based on what we know, is either you want to become a medical doctor or you want to become an engineer. <laughs> and then from there, every other thing takes preeminence. And that was how I got into doing science. And then my career path took over from there, entering the university. Were you interested in science at the time? Was there, did you want to become an engineer or a scientist or had you never really thought about it? Ah, well, I wanted to be a medical doctor. <laughs> But um, then you finish your result, you finish your SSC, that is the Senior Secondary School Certificate. So I had wanted to study medicine, but eventually I was allocated biochemistry. So my first degree was in biochemistry and I studied biochemistry. Through studying biochemistry, I saw areas that I found interest in. And so from biochemistry, I started exploring other areas we had opportunity of having placements. So I did the, my placement in a medical laboratory. So I had a very good understanding of the diverse applications of um, medical laboratory science. But after that, I found that was not something that is of interest to me in the, in, you know, in the medical field. And I got a job working with the, with the bottling industry, working in the production there is a laboratory area as well, where you can test the bottled products for their quality. And then carrying out other microbial tests, carrying out chemistry tests on them, another quality control test. So basically talking about science in that context, you see that my undergrad course, the biochemistry, there is an aspect of it called applied biochemistry that actually affiliated with me. So it was on the basis of that, that I started building on, you know, other aspects of my career. Fantastic. And I'll unpack that all in due course. But I, I wondered why initially it was you wanted to become a medical doctor. Was, was there a particular reason? Was that something that you'd always had your heart set on? Or? Well, you know, I don't know if you know about this, but more, most African parents or most people who come from backgrounds such as mine or so would want... Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to use the word boosting rights of parents. <laughs> you understand? Well, oh, yes, my, my, my daughter is studying medicine. You know, my son is an engineer. And this is what my child has to be. You understand? Yeah. But coming into university and the reality that we can't all become doctors, we can't all become engineers, it opens your eyes into whatever course you are given, either for studying chemistry or physics or mathematics, then you begin to see other dimensions of science. And that kind of wows you in terms of, wow, I have different ways I can apply knowledge or I can learn without being all the key professions that parents will really want you to be. And how, how was school for you? Did, you? did you enjoy school? Oh, school was beautiful. Oh, nice. <laughs> School was beautiful from, from beginning, but university, doing my undergraduate was wonderful. It was one of the 
formative, excellent years. Because in that place, you kind of, you see other people who come from different places coming to university. And then you see a need to also like look forward. You are keen to do something and then you are keen to give back to the family that has sponsored you. So that kind of motivation pushes you on. And did you have to move far away to get to university or was that quite close to home? It was in the same city. It was in the same city. So I didn't have to move. But after that, I had to move because you have to serve your country for one year, like a paramilitary service. And then after that, you start applying for jobs. Well, I didn't realize that. Yes, you have to. It's part of the criteria. Let's say in the future, should you wish to serve the country? So you have that certification that you have, you know, finished and then you go back, you know, so that at least you, it's further certifies that you are a citizen of that country. Mm. So sometimes you finish your undergraduate and they post you to somewhere very far from home where they speak a different language, it's a different culture. And then, you know, it's like for the first time you become in a subtle way, maybe an adult if you haven't left home in the first place. And did you spend that time knowing that you were going to pursue science when, when you'd finished or did you start to think about maybe doing other things or were you at that point set on doing science that so this is what I want to do? Well, actually, you know, during that period, I was privileged to be posted to a place that actually reinforced what I should do. Because I met, it was at the university in that particular area, and I met with people who were biochemists, and I was attached to them, you know, as like a graduate assistant who has finished university. And then I was learning from them how things were done. And actually, that pushed me further because I could see people who were academics who were working in that system in the university institution and um, it's good to have people whom you can look up to. After the paramilitary service I was working with industry. I worked with industry so in that place it was an eye-opener. I was employed as a process control officer so that one you you check the quality of the water that has been treated. It has to be standard, you know, you have to check the, the acidity, the basicity levels, that is the pH. And we use recycled bottles, so it also means you have to treat the bottles. So you have to check that everything is sound. The quality of the treatment, the quality of what you are bottling is sound. And then you check, even as you are bottling, you are also checking culturing. Maybe that you leave to see that there are no microbes, there is no... There is no E. coli, there is no salmonella. And did you enjoy that job? Oh, it was very nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I enjoy everything I do. <laughs> it comes across. It really, it really does come across. And I think your passion and values and transfer of knowledge is already starting to shine through because, you know, that's, you've taken <laughs> skills that you've learned from your degree, applied them to mm. industry. Mm. And then I suppose mm. that leads us to talking about your current role. How did you progress from working in industry? you know, leading into your current role, the work that you do just now? Um, the experience from that industry, working with the food and beverage industry, opened me up to see a need to have studies, to learn. And learning, that is, there must be a program that captures not only the science aspect, but also the policy aspect, as well as understanding the, the dimensions of change that we might need to see and so from that industry i got the scholarship to study for a master's degree program in pollution and environmental control 
So that was at the University of Manchester. So I did, it was a very intense program. I learned a lot. So I got the job with the UK's Environment Agency as an environmental regulator. So you see that kind of opportunity in working in environmental regulation as a scientist, as an environmental scientist, opens you up to say, okay, yes, what can I, where can I transfer these skills? And so from that regulation, I got the job with working with the nuclear industry at Sellafield as an environmental compliance advisor. <laughs> so my knowledge of science, you see, is beginning to open up into dimensions of um, learning where you can actually understand what are the standards, what are the heads up information that people need to know, and then how do you communicate that? How do you communicate that information to inform change? Then it came to a point I had to go back home because I wanted to, I had been away from home for too long. And I wanted to have this, um, I wanted to have the background, you know, on the ground information of what it is working in a place like my country. Don't forget that working in a place like Sellafield opens you up to other, <laughs> other experiences. So I got the job with the Open University working as an environmental coordinator. The role is similar to what I have now because I work in the Department of Earth and Environmental Sciences. What's striking me is you know, I'm listening to, to your career and how they're all sort of intrinsically linked and yet completely different in ways. And I think that just shows the value of a science degree. I, I bet you had no idea the amount of different things that you would go on to do. Speaking more personally, I just wondered if you could tell us what it was like for you moving from Nigeria to the UK. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm assuming for the first time. Ah, it was an experience. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Coming to the UK... First and foremost, I think what stands out is the weather. And then the yeah. next thing is the different modes of teaching. You know, having learned how teaching was done on the other side of the globe, and then coming here, first and foremost, you hear the way the lecturers speak, which is different from what your ears are used to hearing. And then, again, there are other things, knowing that it's a, it's a difference in culture, you know. <laughs> coming from a place whereby you can speak yeah. to everybody and then coming to a place whereby, number one, yeah. the weather adjusts you. <laughs> My, then you come to have very tight, um, trying to understand the way teaching is being delivered. And then the next thing, having to understand that there are many things you, you need to adapt. But I had some help. <laughs> I had some family that I had met in Manchester and they are wonderful. So it was through them, at least I got a bit of, I got some balance. <laughs> I wanted to pick up on you, you mentioning the different teaching styles and maybe, you know, what, what you noticed the key differences were. Because I'm aware that lots of people listening to this podcast, you know, school might not be for them, you know, university and academia might not be for them. And for them to realise that actually, you know, subjects and science can be taught in different ways might be really, really helpful for them to hear. At the time I had gone to university, we were very few in the class, you know, in the whole of my mm -hmm. years, we were only about less than 40 studying biochemistry. So what happened then was that with the learnings we had, it was as if we were being spoon fed, but the learning is kind of guided. But, you know, coming here, although it's a different kind, you are expected to do more. 
you speak, the lecturer speaks, and then you go, and then you are given some assignments to go and research, and then you now write essays that maybe you hadn't really written essays in the past. Now you write essays, you have to learn how to... There were many things that we hadn't learned. And at that time, we have not, we have not a lot of access to IT as we do now, even as, you know, as it's now happening on the other side. So there were so many things. And even more, of course, all human beings, we learn maybe by trying things. So that's why I think that here there is, we have access to a lot of materials. And so people may not be able to learn as in rote learning, but there are other things that they could learn. Because definitely with science, there are certain things at least you need to understand. You need to understand the processes by keep the, yeah. keeping them or committing them to memory. I find that as well. I, I suddenly found I learned better using my hands and piecing things together and doing practical experiments than I ever did trying to copy notes off a board and you know one of our sayings at the science center is that we are we are all scientists very beautiful and on that note i wanted to ask i noted like doing my research for this podcast and, and this episode in particular that you're very passionate about public engagement and citizen science and i wondered if you could tell us why you believe that's so important well i like to include people when i do things because if you want people to contribute to any activity you must in a way enthuse them you know, you must win them over. Well, a lot of people don't even know what you do. And yet we have this, um, there is one thing with the United Nations, they said, leaving no one behind. If we are having the challenge of environmental damage and the discussions are within an eclectic few or a selected few, how do the bulk of the non-scientists, non non-connected people contribute to anything. So mm. my reason for being, you know, interested by interest in those areas is number one, I like to meet people. That is first and foremost, I like to leave the coffers of what the areas, everything that looks perfect to an imperfect system. And then, you know, I also like to see, use this as an opportunity to meet with people who maybe, maybe might be interested but don't know where to come in. And so it's not about 100% showing or showcasing what I'm doing. It's also creating an avenue where they can actually reach, see you, ask questions. And some of those questions that they ask actually help you to refine your thinking and maybe how you communicate things. And that's exactly one of the reasons why I do that. They will see me, you know, they will see me <laughs> and see the people I work with. And they can actually, maybe they will have some hope or some kind of motivation that, all right, I can do it too. So it's not only about presenting the science and then presenting things to people, showing things to people. It's also helping people to potentially be what they would like to be, irrespective of age. <laughs> What would your best piece of advice be to somebody listening to this who's maybe always wanted to pursue science or develop their interest in science but has no idea how to get involved or how to get started? What would well, you say to them? What I would do is to encourage the person to go for it. First, it's not just going for it. The purpose for going for it must be clear. Why are you doing this thing? What do you want to get out of it? If 
you don't have a purpose, then you may just go through a process and you feel depressed afterwards, even if you succeed. So my own understanding and my own advice is that whatever you want to do, you go for it. It's not going to be easy because everything I have said today, <laughs> I'm sure you think is you spend one month here, you go another month here. No, there must be that tenacity. There must be the patience. There must be the tolerance because some things will not be so palatable with your body, with your mind and with everything, even with your finances. But you must be patient, follow through. And at the same time, reach out to people within your community, your small spaces, big spaces. There must be somebody whom you can share your passion or your thoughts and they will be able to help. So that's my advice. Get somebody, you know, write the purpose. Why am I doing this? What do I want to do? And then who can help me? That's so good. Thank you so much. I'm going to very cheekily ask, because I know that you've, you've touched on this already throughout the podcast, but what would, what's your main purpose? Why do you do this? I enjoy what I'm doing. That's number one. Number two, it gives me opportunity to reach out to different people, people I have never met before. Maybe I will meet them and this is the only time I can meet them. And then thirdly, yeah. as an ecologist, you are always looking for interactions interactions you know ecology looks at interactions between the physical chemical and the biochemical but it's also for me looking at the interaction between what i'm teaching what i'm delivering and how the people who are receiving it are also thinking through what is being given to them so that passion for sharing passion for communicating and helping people to be themselves or helping people to be who i am or helping me to be what i am is one of the key reasons I do this. Have you ever faced obstacles or barriers in terms of getting yourself into science? You know, has it always been, because you've had so many jobs and so many responsibilities, it, I guess from the outside looking in, you'd think it had been plain sailing and you've obviously done so, so well. But I wondered if there's ever been times when it hasn't seemed like that. There are many times I've faced so many things, so many, I can't be naming them. <laughs> I can't be identifying them here. So many, you will be shocked, so, so many. Look, there are barriers everywhere. There are barriers in whatever and in throughout my career life or throughout my living life, there are challenges, there are barriers, there are threats. But what is paramount most of the time, even though there are periods where I'm very scared, what is going to happen the next? You know, if I fail this one, what am I going to do? You know, all those things are bound as long as we are human beings. But basically what I do is to remind myself of why I am doing what I'm doing. That is number one. And then who I am, actually. Because it's not just me doing work. It's not about the work. It's not about the pay. Beyond the pay, beyond the work. Who are you? <laughs> you understand? What's one object that you couldn't do your job without? <laughs> I think this one everybody will say and is the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, nobody said the internet yet, so you're the first. <laughs> the internet and um, also people. You need very good people around you. Cecilia, it's been so, so great to have you. Thank you so much for, for being our guest on this. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much, and I'm glad you invited me. Thank you for listening to Ignite and thank you very much to our guest, Dr. Cecilia Medipin. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with anyone else who you think might enjoy it. Feel free to subscribe, save, and leave a review. Bye for now.